Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning, it's Wednesday, April 1st, and you're listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Trey Scott. I wish I had a good April Fool's joke for you guys, but I kind of think 2020 has been tricky enough, so instead I just have a quick trivia question, and don't cheat. Do you know who led college football in sacks last season? I'm going to give you guys like five, four, three, two, one seconds to think about it. Don't overthink it. It was Ohio State's Chase Young who had 16 and a half despite missing those two regular season games. Okay, if you got that, try to get this one. Do you have any idea who came in second? That would be Miami's Greg Rousseau, who emerged as one of college football's best players despite his status as a little-known three-star recruit who arrived at Coral Gables as a converted wide receiver who needed a redshirt season to add weight and learn how to play the position. Fast forward one year, and he's one of college football's best sack masters and a member of 24-7 Sports' 20 Under 20, which we announced this week as a list of the best players in college football. You guess it, under the age of 20. You can still check that list out over on the website. To learn more about this potential first-round pick, I wanted to call up my friend Andrew Ivins of the Miami 24-7 sports site Inside the U. Andrew's got the full backstory on how Russo flew under the radar and why he wasn't even a full-time starter for Miami until midway through the season before he just caught fire. So here goes it. All right, I'm joined now by Andrew Ivins. A Miami insider for 24-7 Sports. Andrew, I would love to know how the guy who finishes second in sacks in college football doesn't begin the season as a starter. But like any, any good story, we have to start from the beginning and not the middle or the end. So just tell me how you discovered Greg or how Miami discovered Greg and, and what this kid was like as a prospect. I think the first time uh, I saw Greg Russo, it was actually at... Uh, one of those satellite camps that were kind of the craze a couple of years ago. Um, Florida Atlantic was putting one on and, you know, kids would come work out because Nebraska and and Texas and all these out-of-state schools would be there. And uh, I came across Greg Russo and someone said, this this guy's going to be big time. Well, at the time, Greg, I think he was playing safety and working out at wide receiver. And you're like, man, yeah, he's de- definitely got some length, but he's not fast like these other wide receivers down here. He's not quick. He's not going to make you miss. He's more of a, a jump ball target. So that's when he first kind of came on um, my radar, and I think that would be the summer before his his junior season. Um, and then more and more kind of offers started coming in. And I wouldn't say like the big-time offers. Um, it was just some directional schools here and there. Uh, I think LSU eventually offered, then Miami offered, and it became pretty clear that he was a, a top priority for the Hurricanes because they thought uh, he was potentially the, this 
defensive end. And that was really when I say potentially, I mean, you kind of had to project down the line and uh, they, for some reason, had that vision. Did he have to be sold on that idea? Because if you're playing safety or wide receiver, like, yeah, a safety can be sold on spinning down to a linebacker or a linebacker can spin down to a defensive end. But that's quite the leap. I, it is. I mean, you don't see that kind of move frequently. Um, but I think Miami did a really good job of selling him on that. And to be honest, from what I was told, the guy who was coaching Miami's defensive, li- uh, defensive line at the time, he wasn't even that big of a fan of Greg Russo. This was really uh, Manny Diaz uh, and the co-defensive coordinator, Ephraim Banda. They both saw that length and they thought, we we got to take this guy. And, and I, I think it was... Um, last season at some point, Manny told the story about how when he was at NC State back when they were churning out all those good defense alignment, like like Manny Lawson and all them, uh, they had a conversation in, in one of their staff meetings. And I think one of the assistant coaches stood up and said, you always take someone with length because you cannot teach that. And I think they had that same conversation uh, with Greg Russo. And uh, when he committed to Miami, uh, Mark Rick told him, hey, I think you have a chance to be an all-american one day here and turns out rick was pretty right i mean he was a freshman all-american this past season so uh, i think they did a good job of selling him on the idea of someone that's going to attack the quarterback and uh, not catch passes from the quarterback so you you run the miami site and and you help maintain a message board on it what was the reaction when a a three-star kid commits to the u and he's the number 47 defensive end in the country the number 124 player in florida and i know there's a lot of good players in florida but 124 uh this is probably not a guy that people did a lot of you know booms and got him and all that stuff right no i mean i think it was instantly hey why is this guy ranked so low you guys are you know you, you guys suck at rankings and all, all the Miami commits are underranked. No, I'm just, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> at the time, I, I think Miami fans just, it was, it came when Greg committed, it was right after uh, a spring game is when he did it. And we kind of knew it was coming. I mean, Greg had been on campus a bunch of times. So um, I, I, I don't think anyone ever thought he would be what he turned into be, but there wasn't any people complaining uh, that they had taken him. I think a lot of fans were in kind of wait and see mode. And once he got on campus and the the feedback started coming in from the coaches about he was what he was doing in practice, a lot of people were excited. And uh, of course, you take that with a grain of salt. I mean, there's not often times coaches are going to come out and just, just bash players or say anything negative. So uh, there was some hype heading into the season. But I mean, it really didn't get going until, you know, the fourth, fifth week of the season. Yeah, so he redshirts, and then, and then you mentioned it. There's some hype. He doesn't start week one. According to Pro Football Focus College, and you guys wrote about this the other day on the Miami site, he wasn't receiving starter-level snaps until week six. So what what was going on the first few weeks? <laughs> it's funny because I've always wondered that, and um, I was actually out at uh, Champagnat Catholic this past uh, December. That's the school where Greg Russo came out of. It's a, a smaller division school here, so it's it's 3A, but uh, they, they compete every year for a, a national championship, or excuse me, a state championship. I guess it's 2A, 3A, they kind of bounce back and forth, and Manny Diaz and a bunch of Miami coaches actually were there because they 
were recruiting another kid um, from that school in the 2020 cycle, Jalen Harrell. And I, the, the Champagnat Catholic coaches were asking Diaz, they're like, what took you so long to uh, get Greg on the field? And they said they really just had to get Greg uh, to be a fierce like competitor. They said that Greg, when he first got to Miami, was the type of kid where he would rush into the backfield and, and knock the quarterback over and then help the quarterback up. Um, they said he was a little a little too nice, so they needed to find that um, that that fire and that anger and, and, and that passion to really get him going. Uh, and if you ever interact with Greg, I mean, he's the most laid-back kid, the easiest kid to root for. Um, so they were trying to unleash him, and it took a few weeks to get going. I, I think when Manny was describing this story to uh, the, the coaches there at Champagnat, they were saying – they really needed other guys in the locker room to kind of toughen him up. And I think once he started seeing what he could be as a player, uh, it only kind of snowballed. And I think it was week six, week seven of the season. I mean, he had a huge stretch in there. Maybe it was against Florida State. Um, when we, we kind of all saw it come together. Yeah, 15 and a half sacks. That's just insane. And you would expect there to be a lot more attention on him in 2020. But the good news is Miami is going to be pretty well stocked along the defensive front. You brought in Quincy Roche transfer. You got Jalen Phillips, uh, formerly the number one recruit in the country who, who registered himself this past year. So you have pretty high expectations, Andrew, for this defensive line and maybe a total sack number in 2020. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a, a better trio of, of ends in college football. I mean, Greg Russo is coming back. Uh, Jalen Phillips is the former number one player in the country, a five-star defensive end. And Miami only had four spring practices before uh, the whole coronavirus thing put shut things down. But the coaches were absolutely raving about Jalen Phillips. And when I watched him go through drills, I mean, he is just as big as, as Greg Russo. And to be honest, he actually probably moves a little bit better, which is kind of scary. So you pair those two with Quincy Roche, who was the uh, American Athletic Conference's uh, Defensive Player of the Year this past year, I think he had 13 sacks. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna have some pass rushers, and that's not even including another kid they got, Jafari Harvey, who uh, was was a four star recruit, another another end. So uh, I don't think there's gonna be much of a drop off and uh, on the defensive side of the ball, despite the fact that Miami loses some NFL talent. Last question. College football nowadays, you sort of know who the stars are before they're even the stars, right? Like we, we knew Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, all those guys. Like we've known about Jamar Chase for a while, you know about Jalen Waddle, Greg Rousseau's. This is such a fun story because he literally came out of nowhere. Tell us. I'm assuming you got to know him pretty well on the recruiting trail. What's he like, Andrew? Is he a quiet kid, cocky kid, confident? Uh, you know, any any fond recollections of a time with him one on one? He is like I, I think I said this a few minutes ago. He's one of the easiest kids to kind of root for um, and, and cheer for. And I remember with with his recruitment specifically, like he told me, "Hey, I'm going to commit to Miami this weekend. Like it's going to happen then." And for those that aren't in the industry, that might sound like the normal procedure. Uh, but it's not. I mean, oftentimes kids don't really loop reporters in, but Greg was so nice. Um, and I had developed a relationship with him and his brother. And every time he sees you, he's like, hey, how you doing? And, you know, it, it, like, I, I guess nice would be the term. 
and, and uh, so that was pretty cool that he, he he allowed me to not not break the story, but keep me in the loop. So I had that story ready to go whenever um, he committed. And the thing with Greg is he played for uh, the Florida Fire, so that's one of the bigger seven-on-seven organizations down here. And um, you know he he's gone back out to their tryouts and stuff, and he's really become kind of a role model for some of the kids down here. And I think Miami really likes that because uh, Greg Russo shows that you don't need to go to Alabama or LSU or Georgia to turn into this uh, this mega star. I mean, you can stay home and get it done at Miami. All right. That's Andrew Ivins, a Miami insider for 24-7 Sports. Thanks, Andrew. Have a good one. You too. Thanks again to Andrew for joining us as we profile some of college football's best young players talent. I think it's going to be a tall order for Rousseau to top that 15 and a half number for sacks. But when you think about the guys he's going to have next to him this fall and Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche, and then remember that Rousseau wasn't even a full-time starter last season and he'll probably get more snaps in 2020. And well, you kind of start to think that maybe it is possible to exceed 15 and a half. So we'll see regardless, file this name away as somebody who's going to be in the conversation next year for one of the first defensive ends taken in the 2021 NFL Draft. That's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. On the rest of the docket this week, we're going to talk to Charles Power about how the all-time recruit bracket's faring and and sort of the votes that he thinks the fans have royally messed up. And then on Friday, we're going to rewatch and discuss the 1998 Texas A&M-Kansas State Big 12 title game. K-State had a shot to win a national championship that season and Texas A&M broke their heart. So if you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and drop a review with a say hello or maybe you have a good April Fool's joke or a good trivia question or something you want us to talk about or a game you want to re-watch. For Andrew Ivins, for our producer Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott. I'll see you on Thursday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.